You're listening to 3CR's Renegade Economist with your host, Carl Fitzgerald, as we investigate the role of landlords, bankers and natural monopolies through the eyes of the commons. Our birthrights, our birthrights. Welcome to 3CR's Renegade Economist with your host, Carl Fitzgerald. Today, a couple of interviews recorded, uh, one in Brisbane with Cameron Murray and another with Jenny Fletcher up in Woodford, near Woodford. So, Cam Murray, you've heard him a few times in the last year or so. He's the author of Clean Money in a Dirty System, Relationship Networks and Land Rezoning. That was a report he released about this time last year where he analysed 13,000 relationships to find that those with the strong social networks, the old boy networks, rather than uh, regular high donors, uh, were some 37% more likely to have their land rezoned. He's about to release a new report for Prosper Australia in the coming weeks and uh, was visiting Brisbane, uh, we took the opportunity to drive around West End, a suburb that's uh, rapidly gentrifying. It's beautifully located on a hairpin bend of the Brisbane River. Talk about location, location, as you're about to hear, all sorts of uh, old industrial type sites have been rapidly approved for uh, 10 to 15 storey type redevelopments. And the local community uh, is struggling to keep up with the rate of change coming through. And of course, uh, the public purse misses out on the incredible windfalls that result from that golden pen tick of rezoning. All right, let's have a listen to Cam Murray. And recording. All right. A bit of industrial uh, here. And of course, the community gardens. Yeah, it's really popular now with all these new apartments. People having their little gardening hobbies. Evidence of community adds value to land. So we had a uh, second-hand bike shop here in this building that kind of got forced out. They kept putting the rent up and they, the guys said, we can't just rebuild bikes just to pay the rent. Gotta have to make some money. This one here has 495 apartments going in and a bunch of shops, cafes and retail. It's been, it was a former gas works. It was vacant for 20 years. This Aldi's new. Uh, it's the second supermarket in this suburb that's gonna have 20,000 people. Uh, so it's quite busy. And there's a proposed Woolworths coming in down the road as well. So a lot of action. Where we are now also flooded uh, in 2011. Uh, we'd almost be sitting in water here. So keep that in mind when we go down here and look at all these apartments. And how often, how long had it been before it had flooded? Before uh, 2011? Yeah, so it was around 30 years before the last flood. But then in 2013, there was a mini flood as well. So we're going to have a look around here. We're kind of at the heart of the gentrification. Um, this was a former warehouse that made packing crates and boxes. 
it's now going to be uh, some designer terrace homes um, Manhattan terraces it's called so all of this area we're in now has been converted from warehouses and light industrial and probably all together they're going to be around 7,000 apartments just in a four block radius of where we are so it's a whole new suburb uh, being tacked on to the end of an older suburb so down the end of this street there was uh, the Queensland Symphony Orchestra's auditorium right on the river and that got bulldozed and sold to a developer to build 70 waterfront apartments um, so you can see that it's becoming very uh, monocultural or mono-use. Uh, it's just apartments as far as the eye can see. And a lot of these developers have, uh, have benefited from their local plan being incrementally changed to allow them to build extra stories. So in this area, anything that you, um, any uh, approvals that you get outside the scope of the plan uh, are freebies to the developers. And I have worked out that in this area, every extra apartment uh, that you get approved outside of the plan is worth around $200,000 to the developer. Um, so a lot of these have 20, 30, 40 additional apartments that wouldn't have been approved if the plan was uh, strictly adhered to. Uh, so we're talking uh, a lot of money there. There's a whole bunch more. Uh, if you want to keep showing it. So, um, it's a bit hard to drive into there. There's a site in the, uh, in the middle of the suburb. It was recently called in by the planning minister because the council had approved uh, seven 15-storey buildings that far exceeded the scope of the plan. Um, the plan essentially had said you must do a master planning exercise and amend the plan before getting approvals and that wasn't done and the developer got an approval for essentially anything they wanted. On the right here we have the former distance education facility that was sold to uh, the Predella family a little while back. Uh, it was earmarked in long-term plans for a future school for the development of the suburb but got sold off to developers instead. It's going to be hundreds of apartments, some cafes and retail and other things there now. So the local school has had to now uh, invest in uh, some high-rise buildings for itself to accommodate the extra students. So the local primary school is going from around 700 students to around 1,300 in the next five years or so. have to do a lap here. These are Queensland homes. We're seeing their big land signs, so they must be worth a bomb. Oh, I'll drive, I'll, I'll go down another section before we come home. It's a street that had some light industrial on one side and all residential on the other, and it's just been obliterated. A whole bunch of houses that the community thought were protected from the heritage rules have been removed or demolished. <laughs> mm. uh, it's 
so it's quite interesting. What a pity we can't get the water data here. Yeah. Oh, Queensland's planning minister, Deputy Premier Jackie Trad, actually lives just around the corner here amongst all this new development. Uh, so I hope that in some way that led to her calling in some of these developments that were approved by the council that were far beyond the scope of their plan and doing, doing her job in a way. I mean, she's ultimately responsible for all development in Queensland. Um, and when some of these sites have state significance, she should, uh, she should make sure they're planned appropriately. Just taking Carl's caravan for a tour of our tour of my <laughs> suburb here. My local bottle shop. <laughs> local tattoo parlour. Oh, yeah. Up up here's the local haunted house. Oh, why not street? Yep. Haunted house. Yeah. How much is the that? The kids been? here don't like to Ooh. go past it at night. <laughs> So here's the current school across the road. There are a bunch of uh, Pokemon uh, Poke stops around this corner, which is great for the school kids. <laughs> yeah, so this school has got a proposal for a five-story high-rise where this building is here. Um, they've previously extended to encroach onto the, uh, the oval. And as you can see, it's pretty hard to keep the grass growing with so many kids on the oval. So now we're at another another main area of development. Uh, this was a light uh, a warehousing shed here. I think there'll be about 60 or 80 apartments there. And the street I wanted to show you is now completely closed um, to development. There are 160 apartments going in there uh, and many more across the road. So it's, if people who are concerned about the corporatisation of society were to look at the most endemic example of how democracy has been sold off to the highest bidder, you couldn't find a better example than real estate, could you? Uh, in terms of the, the sheer scale and the fact that so few people are aware of it, I, I don't think you can. Um, the, the real estate industry is more powerful than I think any other industry in this country at the moment and, uh, and I suspect that any calls to reduce negative gearing uh, or rein in speculation uh, or improve renters rights is, are going to be crushed by the sheer power of the lobby group. Um, so you know I hope through my research that at least I can get people talking about it and get them to actually see what's really going on. It's, it's so well hidden behind um, the physical buildings, the economic story, uh, and I want to make the economic story the main story. 
And there you go. That was Cam Murray. Interesting to hear that sort of commentary. Uh, more interesting than your uh, weekly sports uh, narration, hey? Uh, talking about the change um, coming through West End, a prominent suburb in Brisbane, rapidly gentrifying under the uh, the watchful eye of uh, the property industry who are uh, enjoying the uh, millions, if not billions of dollars in rezoning windfalls. Certainly, real estate has to be more closely analysed to look at how much money is being made for what effort and what the public gets back for it. And when uh, you, you look into it, uh, uh, the amount of public parkland that's being provided is uh, very, very low for the uh, uh, 20, 40,000 extra people which are coming through the area. So uh, it, it's going to be one of those development uh, situations where people are going to look back in time and go, wow, everyone's squeezed in here like sardines. There's no public transport planned. There's very little parks. The schools have even been privatised. Uh, everyone's squashed into a couple of remaining schools. And uh, will they pull it off? Let's wait and see uh, how it all turns out in uh, West End Brisbane. And now on our All Good Things journey around Australia, keep up to date with uh, allthegoodthingsjourney.com. Uh, my family and I are currently in Woodford, about to spend seven days camping in an area called Kooloola on uh, the Great Sandy National Park, just near Caloundra. So uh, feeling very, very privileged to be uh, taking this trip and recording this radio show for you as we travel around. And as you probably get the gist of it, I try and... Uh, pick community related places to stay i try and avoid the commercial type mantra where uh yeah all those rednecks are going to be hanging out where are the progressives well here we are at running creek parklands just outside of woodford let's have a listen to jenny fletcher We're around the campfire here on 3CR's Renegade Economist, okay. uh, overlooking the Glasshouse Mountains, and we're staying at River Creek Parklands. Running Creek Parklands. Running Creek Parklands. Uh, I've only had one sip of gin and tonic, <laughs> but um, should I edit that out? <laughs> I don't know. But uh, we're with Jenny Fletcher, who's uh, running this amazing little place. So, Jenny, uh, tell us the story. How did you come about this uh, picturesque site, which must be, what, 5, 10 k's from where the Woodford Folk Festivals run? Yeah, if not closer. We're super close to them, which is really exciting for us. But basically, Sean and I, um, my husband, we decided we've always wanted to have a campground. It's always been the long life dream. Um, but we got very, very caught up with, you know, just normal household, having two kids, having two kids. And, um, you know, we lived close to the school. We lived about five minutes walk from everything, every shop. Um, over the last year that we lived in Burpengary, we had... Burpengary. <laughs> That's the sticker you see. What is that? What the heck is Burpengary? Yeah, where the heck is Burpengary? Yeah. Uh, so it used to be a really small little town and it just got really super big. So it's a very high density place to live now. It's got an amazing transport system, buses, every, every train so station. So what are you talking, going from 2000 to... I don't really 
really know the population um, exactly, but I mean, you can see that a lot of the older houses that were like a you know old high set Queenslander style houses were you know being becoming demolished and we're having like high density living going in so we're having these little complexes that can house up to sort of like 20 to you know 10 to 20 different families all at once so on the same space so it's it's incredible really um so in the last year we had like a mcdonald's was in store we had a hungry jacks a subway uh well, we had Red Rooster a long time ago. We've got like three Chinese shops. And this year they announced that they're just going to be putting in a new shopping centre, which means that Woolworths will become Woolworths with a Kmart and lots of specialty shops and, of course, a massive food court. So, yeah, the rate of change that was occurring in your community, uh, how were the locals dealing with it and, and feeling about uh, you know, vast changes to the landscape? Well, I guess it's difficult to comment on. I've I've lived in Bippingary pretty much my entire life. We moved to Bippingary when I was four, and so stayed there and raised my two children there until Charlie was my oldest, until she was six. Um, so I, I guess we've seen a major influx in the last end of the year, but most of the the older people I think who knew Burpengary for what it was um, aren't happy with the changes. They're kind of a bit like, well, this is not really what we we were here. And, and we've heard a lot of those people moving away and finding a, a, a another smaller township to sort of join. Um, but like I said, it is a great township for, for younger families because everything is, is at your doorstep. All that jazz. So mm. is this related around the mining boom or how's it been up here uh, central Queensland style? I don't think it really has anything to do with that at all. Um, I just think that this area is becoming a nice place to live. You're, you're close to everything. You're, you're so close to the beach and the Sunshine Coast, but you're also close to the city. You're, you know, you're close to out here at the mountains. So you're kind of at Burpingary and Caboolture area. You're kind of, you know, 10 minutes from everything kind of thing. Right, just an hour north of Brisbane. Beautiful, beautiful. And so um, here at Running Creek, uh, you haven't had the land that long. Uh, what was the story uh, and, you know, what's running here? Well, we found this property um, after looking for many different properties to we could run the campgrounds on um, as far out as Gympie, where we had, we looked at quite a few out there that were like 300 acres, which is a lot of land to look after. Um, but we end up finding this little gem after seeing some real estates up the top of the range um, at a little cabin. But it really wasn't the kind of land that was going to do what we needed it to do. So we were very happy when we came down and um, I just spotted this little guy for private sale. And um, yeah, it took us three months of looking because it's a very big decision to make. And then, yeah, we jumped on in. It ticks all the boxes. That's always the way, I reckon. Private sales, mm -hmm. uh, unorthodox purchases are a good way about um, finding little... You know, uncommercial type, uh, earthy type um, abodes. So. And, and, you know, you get the, the bonus of being able to um, experience what the land's like from the people who've lived here. And you get to know a bit more about the history, about what the place was like. And, you know, just, just the little things, I think, that's really helped us sort of be able to produce what we want to do here. So uh, my daughter, uh, about this time yesterday, was lying um, on her little island on the creek, <laughs> watching it uh, whiz on by and uh, checking out all the tiny little fish that were burrowing about. So, uh, yeah, it's a nice idyllic place. And the, the, the setup here, how is it different to a normal sort of um, camping arrangement? 
Well, here at Running Creek, we, we try to create something that what we, we, we're calling free range camping. So that's the idea of having um, large amounts of space, allowing people to choose a spot that suits them best within that, that area um, and simply set up camp. So we don't have a major side office or anything like that. We're very very laid back with how we run things here but there's toilets and showers facilities um, which is just the basics and giving people a place to put their rubbish as they leave as well. Yeah and and that's uh, a nice way to be when there's I don't know I think there was something like 15 families here um, last night on a Saturday night and uh, lots of little fires going and uh, yeah people enjoying just uh, being in nature. Yes, that's very much what we're trying to do here is just give somebody a place to be where they're not far from civilization, so to speak. They're just 10 minutes into Woodford, which is our township, and it's got everything you could you, you could need there. Big Woolworths, you've got fuel, you've got IGA, so you've got all your ice and all your food supplies you could need, um, as well as some lovely little specialty shops. So how was the council when you approached them? It would have been a little bit um, left of field, I suppose, uh, for them to consider a, a low-density campsite. Yeah, it was very different for them. It's, it's definitely not the first idea or the first person that's come to council and said that they would like to, in the Moreton Bay Shire, create a campground. It's just that state-wise there is a lot of red tape and, and it's very difficult to get into this industry. We were very lucky that um, council was trying to push themselves into more of a tourism, uh, I guess, tourism happy place. So they're trying to increase people coming into the area. Um, So we were lucky in that sense that they were sort of being a little bit more open-minded with some new ideas and generally... Um, a campground, and as, as you were saying with the, the showgrounds over there, there's some very tough rules on, on how campgrounds have to be set out and, and how they have to be run. Um, and I'm very thankful that these guys have, have let me think outside the box and um, provide them with some very good material and some good safety plans that allow us to be so free range and and have a little bit more of an adventure out here. Yeah, but I, and I just pulled into the Woodford Showgrounds before and I was kind of freaked out a bit by seeing all of the, oh, well, more formal caravan park park style with the grey mm-hmm. nomads everywhere uh, pretending they're not looking at each other and no one talking to each <laughs> other. It was my kind of vibe I saw, yep. but um, I'm sure there's uh, plenty of good times to be had there. But mm-hmm. yeah, for people who are looking for that sort of the road traveling world, uh, uh, there's so many online apps now that are useful to connect people to yeah. um, help avoid those places. So one of them we've been using is Wikicamp, um, sort of like Wikipedia, but for free campsites. So all sorts of campsites are reviewed on there, so yeah. um, it's been handy. But the one we found each other through is called UCamp. Mm. So, um, yeah, I don't know. This is kind of sounding a bit like an infomercial this episode. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, it's just fun to share these things because people are, you know, there's so many million websites out there. But how do you find the good stuff that can really help your life and, you know, make things more interesting? I suppose that's something we've also experienced on another website called helpx.net where we have lots of travelers coming through our house, staying in the spare room, doing 20 hours a week for uh, free um, board and internet and and food and so forth. So, um, yeah, the the online commons is growing and it's nice to see that here at uh, Running Creek you've got, you know, the the melting pot for different 
communities to interact. And, um, yeah, one of those ways, of course, is feeding the animals. Yeah, it's our lovely little stable yard. Yes, with lots of little kids. So, um, yeah, just to wrap up then, so you camp, how did you get onto that and what's, you know, what's your hopes for this campsite? Well, we were really lucky to get on board with UCAMP and with the Wikicamp app. Um, that actually all come through with our insurance company. They must be sponsored by them. And so once we sort of got some liability wow. insurance, they um, they hooked us up straight away with those guys. And, um, yeah, it's, be, it's been happy days ever since. We've had people coming out to stay with us within weeks of us publishing our ad with UCAMPs, and that was really wonderful. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, let's hope uh, there's many more interesting campsites in the less formal sort of uh, frame of thinking that, uh, uh, yeah, we like. So thanks so much, Jenny, for being on The Renegades. And that was Jenny Fletcher giving her insights on how she's creating a a positive use of her land, Obviously, uh, on on the site, there's a a couple of different incomes coming in. This is just one income stream, which uh, you see more and more in this day and age. uh, To have a viable farm life, you need three or four income sources. So having 10 to 20 families camp on their uh, beautiful property in nice running creek and fantastic view of the glasshouse mountains just off in the distance it's quite something to be able to be here and to see uh, this mixed use where they do have some light farm uh, animals uh, that they're rearing and selling off i think in time but uh, the kids certainly love feeding them as they they grow so uh, good to see a positive news story it's uh, just an absolute stress listening to what's happening in Europe at the moment, uh, the carnage of uh, the EU, uh, the carnage of the resource wars are, are really coming home to roost at the moment uh, as we see day after day uh, some sort of terrorist act in uh, France or Germany. It's uh, enough to make you avoid the news. Uh, But uh, here on The Renegade Economist, we like to remind you of uh, uh, the big picture stories of how the sort of inequality that's uh, caused by land rezoning, by uh, oil wars, these sort of things uh, are the pursuit of economic rent, which is the magic money that people can earn in their sleep, uh, the value of uh, some, some form of natural resource or natural monopoly can increase in your sleep whether you do any work or not. And that's where the tax base should be orientated rather than penalizing workers, penalizing employers. Let's tax the monopolies and uh, ensure that those who do something productive for society are rewarded whereas those who uh, hoard our natural resources to enforce scarcity are basically told you have to pay for the running of government and that will very quickly very quickly reduce the the pressures for corruption, if you like, within government uh, to attain these land rezoning deals. Once that money's known to be taxed away, then people are going to look for other practices to earn their keep. And that's certainly what we need in this day and age, not the catalyst to more problems, but the solution to uh, living within a community where the, the give and take mantra exists and we're not paying rent to some foreign landowner, some interstate landowner, 
that money is being shared within the community. All right, my name's Carl Fitzgerald. Thanks so much for listening to The Renegade Economist. Thanks for sharing it with your friends, uh, your networks. I look forward to reporting in uh, from uh, uh, the beautiful uh, idyllic Kulula very soon. So uh, let's see what we can find out over that neck of the woods. Will we meet any fishermen?